0: What is going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Boom Boom Performance Podcast. Before we get into today's interview, we do have a few quick announcements. The first one being is you may notice that this is airing on a Wednesday. Wednesdays are going to be our new time for interviews. It's no longer going to be Tuesday, but there's a good reason for this. We are coming out with more podcasts per week. So this is kind of our transition week starting next week or the week after. I'm pretty sure next week, but stay tuned and you'll find out. I, gotta, uh, I don't want to speak for my media guy because he's the one behind the scenes making the magic happen. But we're going to be doing three podcasts per week. So we're going to do a Monday, Wednesday, Friday podcast. Monday is going to be a topic or a specific kind of like course curriculum teaching experience where I just sit down and I educate you on one topic. What you can look forward to in the next two months is going to be an eight-part mini-series based on fat loss nutrition. So I'm literally going to take you through every single aspect of fat loss nutrition, how to set your diet, how to adjust your diet, macros, calories, meal timing, supplements, adherence, um, again, adjustments, periodization, refeeds, like literally everything you can think of and everything that goes into the coaching practice when it comes to specific nutrition for Fat loss results. I'm going to dive deep into each and every aspect, and it's going to be an actual eight-part series. So every Monday for the next two months, once episode one airs, which is going to be full, uh, solely focused on the entire like video series, what is this about? Advanced nutrition principles and adherence. That is going to be episode one, and after that, you're going to expect every Monday for two months until the next topic comes out. Wednesdays are going to be our interview days, and Friday, as always, are going to be our Q and As, which I will never get rid of because I love answering your guys' questions. Before we get into this episode, another quick announcement. The second quick announcement is, guys, last episode on Friday, I did an announcement that we were doing a t-shirt giveaway contest. I want to give one more shout out for this episode. You have a couple days left because I am going to announce the three winners on Friday. These three winners are going to get a limited edition Boom Boom Performance t-shirt that will never be released ever again. It's actually something that I only created for myself and for my fiance because we love Seinfeld. But... I had to order too many t-shirts just to get mine, so I decided, hey, I'm going to order some, I'm going to give them away to some listeners, so what you can do right now is head over to iTunes, you can leave us a five-star rating and review, and I'm going to pick three people to get an exclusive Seinfeld Boom Boom t-shirt, it's not literally a Seinfeld shirt, but it looks just like the Seinfeld logo, and I'm super hype about it because it says Boom Boom, and uh, you know I love Seinfeld if you follow us on Instagram, and if you don't, head over to Instagram, follow us, link is in the show notes. This episode is with my good friend, somebody that I kind of look as like a mentor, Dr. Sean Pastouche. He is the owner of Active Life RX, which is a company that is built on educating coaches and educating people on how to avoid pain and get out of pain um, and train the right way so that they can continue to perform at the highest level possible without getting sucked away from the gym. He is somebody who has a ton of experience in the physical therapy, chiropractic, CrossFit, and just overall training space. He's somebody who has a ton of wisdom, has built a huge team inside of this industry in a very specific niche that he is changing the game with, um, but he is also somebody that really pushes the boundaries and expands the mind on how to become a better person as a whole, how to achieve more in your life, in your business, in your fitness, in your relationships, like literally every aspect of your life, and that's actually what we dove into today. I think you guys are going to get a ton out of this episode because we didn't talk about physical therapy or training or avoiding pain because we've done that before and I'll link our episode that we did um, on his podcast and on my podcast in the show notes so you guys can listen to more from me and Dr. Sean Pastouche. But today we dive deep into finding your why, finding your purpose, how to stop judging yourself, how to start accepting yourself, and how to excel to become the person you need to become in order to be happy, fulfilled, and successful in your life, in every area of your life. Once again, this is a very powerful episode, and you're going to get a ton of insights from Dr. Sean Pastouche and from myself on how to improve your life as a whole. Really excited for you guys to listen to this. If you enjoy this episode, if you feel like this episode helped you in any way, shape, or form, please do us a huge favor. Tag us both on Instagram. I'm going to drop our handles in the description below. Um, you can tag him, Dr. Pastouche, You can tag Active life RX, and you can tag myself, Cody Boom Boom, on Instagram, on your story. Make sure you take a picture of the episode and tag all three of us because we want to see Who is listening to this episode? We want to know that this episode is impacting people in a positive way. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to this outstanding episode with my good friend, Dr. Sean Pastouche. All right, Dr. Sean, you are back, man. I'm excited to have you, and I'm excited to switch gears a little bit as we just talked about. Um, We're not going to do a long intro. Everybody knows you from here, um, and I'll link all of your stuff in the show notes so they can go check out Active Life, check out everything you're doing on your Instagram, which I've been enjoying quite a bit because you've taken your page, your personal page, and you've done a lot of like real life mentoring. Um, and I've been following your journey through that. We've had a lot of private conversations about this stuff too, outside of this podcast, outside of content. Um, and I just really respect all that you do, not only from a business perspective, but a life, a mindset, a family, health, everything, man. And you kind of have this well-rounded side of you. And I think there's a lot of people touching on this. Um, and I think a lot of people trying to touch on this are actually full of shit. Um, and I, I think they have the right intentions, but I think a lot of it is fluff. And I think there's a lot of BS around finding balance and so on and so forth. So I really want to dive into all these topics today with you, because I think you can shed a lot of good light for the listeners to learn from. But, um, before we do, um, we'll give a, a, a quick nutshell, just in case anybody hasn't, uh, listened to our past episode. Um, who is Dr. Sean Pastush in a nutshell?
1: Well, so go listen to the past episodes. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, uh, who is Dr. Sean Pasucci in a nutshell? I am in a nutshell, somebody who is constantly trying to evolve to make the person who I was a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, uh, somebody who I wouldn't even want to be friends with. And because of that, it's forced a lot of personal growth, which has driven a lot of business growth. So my philosophy is that, um, The more we know ourselves, the more we can help ourselves, the more we can help ourselves, the more we can help other people. And that is Sean Pastuch in a nutshell.
0: I love that, man. Do you, I, I know you do a lot of mentor coaching. Do you teach kind of like an order of operations with this stuff? There's, you know, I went through something called wake up warrior and they kind of brought this to my mindset and this is something I, put in a lot of my coaching but they they call it core four and it's body being balanced business but the whole point of it is is like focus on your body focus on your mind focus on your relationships when you do those three things in that order it's kind of a domino effect and your business kind of goes through the roof without focusing on marketing and all this other shit because you focused on these pillars first do you kind of follow that same principle
1: no i don't think there's anything wrong with that principle i just think for me that would be too much okay i'm a uh, I'm kind of like a pit bull on a car bumper. You ever (laughs) seen a pit bull grab a car bumper? (laughs) No. They don't like, like it's, they will rip a bumper off of the car with their jaws. So for me, it's like, I'm not a good enough person. So I need to become the person who I need to become. And I will sacrifice whatever else I need to sacrifice to do that. Now that, sacrifice ends up actually paying me back in, in ways that I never could have possibly imagined. I mean, I remember the first, the first business coach I ever hired, I was like, I'm making like 25, $30,000 a year at the time. And he was a thousand dollars a month. And I was like, I'm just tired of making what I'm making. Like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And he was like, if you want to be better at business, you have to become a better person. And I was, you know, it flabbergasted me because I'm like, what do you mean? Like, all I tried to do is help people. I work 17 hour days, six days a week to help people. How am I going to be a better person than that? And he's like, that's a good question. You got to figure it out because you're not a good enough person to be as successful as you want to be. And I was really frustrated when he told me that because it was, it was almost like when you watch these shows and these eccentric billionaires have these gurus who walk around shaking feathers, burning incense and saying like the energy is right now. I'm like, dude, you're not doing anything for me. And then I started to actually apply the concept that maybe I wasn't that awesome and everything started to fall into place.
0: So what action steps did you start taking to change into the person you needed to become?
1: So the the first thing that that we learned in, in with this particular mentor was the concept of the the golden rule you've heard the golden rule treat people the way you want to be treated yeah yeah terrible fucking rule (laughs) terrible rule. because uh, most people don't want to be treated how i want to be treated and that's what was getting in my way it was all like this is this is cruise control for sean pastooge it's easy for me to tell you what i believe you're doing wrong tell you how I believe you should do it better and do it without thinking about how it makes you feel because it doesn't matter to me how I feel if I hear something from somebody else that I believe to be true. I just need to hear it. Tell me what to do and I will do it if it will make me better. Other people don't operate that way and that's not a bad thing. Other people think things through more than I do. Other people are more empathetic all the time. Naturally, than I am. Other people have more emotions than I do. You know, some there's a lot of things that make me different than other people. And if I fail to recognize where they need to be met, then I'll be really good at communicating with the people who want to be treated like me. And everybody else will be missed.
0: I love that, man. It's it's funny because I'm actually re-listening to the audiobook book, um, "How to Win Friends and Influence People." Um, and I, have you read that or listened to it?
1: I have not. I it's one of those books on my list of like you need to get through this eventually, but I haven't. I haven't done it yet.
0: <laughs> the, the first time I read through it, I didn't get through it all. Um, but I'm listening to it on audiobook, and he harps on exactly what you're talking about, and and essentially just the idea of that. Everybody's kind of selfish and wants. Uh, The conversation to be focused about them. They want you to listen to them. They want to be heard. They want to talk about themselves. They want to hear their own name. They they, everything needs to be personalized to them. And I think that's a little bit of what you're talking about right now is like, everybody's kind of in their own lane, but you almost have to get outside of that and, and think about what other people are doing, what other people want in order to help them more help yourself more.
1: Well, so I'll go a little bit deeper with you. I, I don't want to do the whole thing because it would take the whole podcast. Yeah. But, but you asked what I do with, with my mentor clients. And the first thing I do is I send them a video that I recorded uh, in a studio to demonstrate this point. And the idea of it was this mentor said to me, you know, why do you do what you do? What, what is the why behind the profession that you chose and the way in which you execute your profession? I was like, oh, this is easy. I've been thinking about this for years. I want to provide for my family. I want to leave a legacy. I want to change an industry. He's like, wow, that's inspiring, man. Thank you. He's like, too bad it's all bullshit. I said, what do you mean? That is not bullshit. I've been thinking about that since like college. What do you mean that's bullshit? He's like, well, let me put it to you. What would happen in your business if your wife and kids died tomorrow, they're gone. Unfortunately, terrible accident. They're gone tomorrow. Do you quit the job that you're operating? I was like, no, I don't. He's like, do you put more time in this? Yeah, I probably do. He's like, okay. So providing for your family is out and let's double down on providing for your family. He's like, you told me you were offered a job working in finance in Hong Kong. that could have netted you seven figures a year and you turned it down to do this. I said, yeah. And he's like, well, seven figures would do a much better job of providing for your family than 30 grand a year. Wouldn't you say? I said, yeah. He's like, then that's all, everything that you said is not actually what you want. And that's why you're failing to reach it. He's like, you don't even know what you want. You don't know why you want it. So you need to spend some time figuring that out. That was our first meeting. I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) So after that, I, I had the worst, one of the darkest months of my life, like emotionally darkest months of my life. And I'm not an emotional guy, usually. So I would journal, I would meditate, I would call friends, I would talk to my wife, I would go on walks, trying to figure out what I want. And then I walk into our next meeting and I'm like, I landed on it. I don't like it though. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I know what I want, but I don't like it. He's like, well, that's who you are. You got to forgive yourself. But what is it that you think you want? And I'm like, I want to win. And I want to be in control of that win, period. And he's like, you, you're telling me that you want to win and you want to have control over the outcome. I said, yes. He's like, cool, I have something for you reaches into his pocket, pulls out a piece of paper, puts it on the table. And on the piece of, ta- on the piece of paper, it has two words. It says control and winning. I'm like, what is that? I, you, what, what kind of hocus pocus yeah. is that? How many pieces of papers do you have in your pocket? You know? And then he proceeded to teach me how he knew that about me without me knowing it about myself so that I could teach it to other people and recognize it in other people without them even recognizing about themselves. And it's all about the intersection of decision-making speed and emotional attachment to things. So essentially, if you you look at an intersection, we have people who are fast all the way on the right, people who are slow all the way on the left. Fast people make decisions quickly with little information. Slower people make it all the way on the left, they need a lot of information. Then on the top of the chart, we have people who are task oriented. They're not really worried about the emotion of the situation. And on the bottom of the chart, we have people who are very emotional. And they're not so worried about the task. It's a fluid graph. That's why it takes so long to to describe to people. I have a video. I'd be happy to send it to you. Um, but the concept of it is we all land in one of four quadrants. Where within that quadrant we land is very specific and that makes us very different than everybody else. But the two basic needs of somebody who lands in the quadrant that I land in are power and control over myself and my environment and the ability to win. And that's what I always looked for in any situation I was in. And it's what I always tried to help people get in any situation that they were in, despite the fact that for some of them, it was just about being noticed and having people like them. They didn't care if they won. They wanted to win, but it wasn't more important than being noticed and liked. for other people. It was the approval and the trust of others. So the little corners that maybe I would be willing to cut in a game to make sure that I win if nobody gets hurt, they were like, no, that's cheating. I said, no, that's not cheating. And if you don't do it, someone's going to do it to you. So do it. They'd be like, no, and I don't like you because I don't like someone who would do that. Okay, then you don't really want to win. Or do want to win? Well, no, you don't. So I didn't understand them. And then there's the people who were like, well, how did you decide to make that decision? They want to be respected for how smart they are, for how much thought they put into things. They want to be right. And I would just be like, no, your way is wrong. Here's how I know. Let's do it my way. Because I needed the control. So my competition for the things that were important to me led me to um, ostracizing myself from people who had different things that were important to them.
0: So can we step back and talk about how you discovered that why or that purpose before he kind of gave you insight into discovering this for other people um because i'm curious too like obviously there's a practice and and i would love to see that video and there's some things that people can go through like worksheets and stuff like that or this exact method that this guy had for you but for those listening like one of my questions that i actually had on this paper to talk to you about was uh, number one, what's your why? Number two, how did you find that? And number three, how does one find their why or purpose? Because that was, you did a whole podcast on that and I'll link that in the show notes for people to listen to because I think it was really good. What was it that allowed you to find your why and in, in this need to win and control that win before he kind of described how he found out about you?
1: So I just started thinking about all the things that made me happy. All the moments in my life where I was like,
0: yes, this is it.
1: This is what I've been searching for. This is what I want. Started thinking about those moments. And I started thinking about the moments in my life when I was most upset, most angry, most sad, you know, all of those negative things. And I started to write them down. I was like, I was happy when I, you know, pitched a shot, a complete game shutout in high school, when I won the wrestling match that was important. When I got this score on the SATs, when I got into this school and other people who used to make fun of me didn't, when I achieved this, like all of these things were based around achievement, where I did things independently, whether it was a team environment or not. And all of the things that were negative for me were moments where I felt as though I had no control. I got bullied when I was in seventh grade by an eighth grader and I was afraid of him. And I left school and I felt like such a bitch for leaving school. And then I got back to school and I called him out for it because my father told me to do. And this kid would have pounded me. And I walked into school the next day and I was like, hey, if you want to fight me, I guess now is the time because I'm not going to run around scared all the time. I don't know why you want to fight me, but I'm down to do it. And when he didn't fight me in that moment, I was more upset because I didn't get to face the fear of what it would be like to get in a fight with somebody who might pound me. I felt like a total loss of control. And I felt like he had all of the control and all of these moments in my life came together where I said, happy in control winning and winning in such a fashion that the person I competed against knew they lost. Like I was the guy in sport who, If I, I, I've struck people out and Screamed at them in baseball, like struck a guy out. And if he had a tough at bat where he fouled off a bunch of pitches, I got hyper competitive. I struck him out. I would get the ball back from my catcher, walk towards where he was walking towards the dugout and just fucking scream at him. And that's not healthy, you know, but, um, but I loved it. Like that's when I was on top of the world is when I was doing things like that. I needed to win and you needed to know that you lost. That's where I needed to be. That's when I was happiest. So part of becoming a better person was recognizing that there are ways for me to win in which you also win. You know, and once I recognized that, it opened up huge doors for me. There are ways for me to relinquish control when it is the best thing for me to do in order to win the longing together. Instead of the short game, by myself. Does that, does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. My, my curiosity too is is around – what you said to him was that I know why or, or what my why is, what my purpose is, but I don't like it. Yeah. Was, was it hard to – did you have to like sit on that for a while and and see like what actually made you happy, what your purpose was, what your why was? um, And like kind of subconsciously trying to avoid it. Is that what you realized because you didn't like it? and Why didn't you like it?
1: Yeah, totally. That's exactly what it was. Why wouldn't, why didn't I like it? My happiest moments were making somebody else feel miserable and then screaming at them to compound. You know, like that's not cool. That's not who I want to be in the world. I'm more than happy to still be that guy in, a competitive environment. You're trying to eat me, I'm trying to eat you, no problem. Let's, you know, winner wins, loser dies, I'm cool with that. But in the real world, that doesn't fly. So I have to get that out on my own so that other people can win because I was there, because that will allow me to win. And I didn't like that that's how I felt. I didn't like that for me to be happy, you had to feel dominated. I knew that wasn't going to get me where I wanted to go. And I was in this place of like, well, this is who I am. How am I ever going to be successful if this is what makes me happy? There's no industry. There's no career. There's no relationship that benefits from that kind of personality. That's why I hated it. That's why I didn't like it. And that's why the coaching around, well, you know, you can win and so can somebody else at the same time was so valuable.
0: Is there any other situations that you see this with people you work with, like where they just try to avoid their purpose or their why because they don't like the result of what they're seeing?
1: 100%. I have a staff of 17 people and every Monday I send an email out to the staff at 5 a.m. The email might be a recap of that. La- it's always a recap of last week. I look forward to this week of what's coming up and something that maybe I'm struggling with in the moment, something that I've overcome in the moment and acknowledgements of things that people on the team have done exceptionally well. And I have staff members who just do their jobs so well every single week and they don't do anything above and beyond their job. So they don't get mentioned in the acknowledgements. And I had one of them who reached out to me who was like, Hey, I feel bad. I'm not contributing to the company enough. Um, I need to do more and I will and I apologize. I was like, dude, you are doing exactly what the company needs you to do. I am failing you as a leader for not mentioning, by the way, here are the people who have just done their job so well that I can think about how to make more opportunities for you guys. So in Monday's email, I'm going to do that. Um, and he didn't like it. I mean, like, he liked that I said that to him. He appreciated it. But he didn't love the idea that, well, his job is just to do his job and there's nothing exceptional about it. But there is something exceptional about that. Other people couldn't just do that and do it well. Do you follow me there? Yeah, yeah. You know, I have, I have people who I've gone through this, this experiment with or this exercise with and they discovered that the most important thing in the world to them is for other people to notice and like them. And they think that that's, shallow and meaningless and i'm like no it's it's a big deal like if if you're good at getting people to notice you and getting people to like you then by association you can help me get people to notice me and like me you can get people to notice and like your wife you know how to notice and like people who need to be noticed and liked and who doesn't so there's a huge value to having that be your most important thing because you spend your entire life trying to get it. It's about how you manage your urges that makes you valuable or value – I don't want to say value less, but less valuable.
0: Right. And the second part of that question, how does somebody find out all this by themselves? Somebody listening to this is like, man, I have no idea what the fuck my why is. How do so, I find my purpose? And, and that's such a big talk about – when we're reaching goals is like, you need to discover your why first. And I think some people get overwhelmed with it because they don't know how to search for that. They don't know how to kind of deep dive with themselves.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I don't think there's a singular answer to it. Um, all of these personality tests, you know, if you go to 16personalities.com, if you take a Myers-Briggs, if you take a Colby, there, there, there's so many personality tests that can help you with it. I think the best thing for you to do is to be patient with it and to, to track it intentionally. You know, the, the thing that got me there was not patience. It was intentional tracking. But a month for me, if you guys don't know me, and a month is a long time in my world. A long time. So it was the everyday waking up thinking about what are the things that make me happy when I'm in the shower, what makes me happy and getting out and immediately writing all of them down. And then looking at all of those things and asking what traits do all of these things have in common? Like, what, am, am I in control? Am I out of control? Am I emotional or am I thinking about getting a job done? Is it, you know, having fun? Is it being competitive? What, what do all of these things have in common? And if, if it makes it easier for you guys, one thing I've done with people is create a chart that has all of these different things in it, you know, write down, getting the job done, being in control, emotions of myself and people around me, um, winning or losing, getting noticed, getting liked, having approval from other people, getting trust from other people, people thinking that I'm smart. Uh, people thinking, you know, me being correct. Make a chart of all of these different things and then make a a different line, like those would go across the top and then across the side, write down all of the things that make you happy, all of them. And all of the things that make you unhappy and put a red line between them so you know, or do them on two separate charts and check the boxes that each of those things applied to. And what you'll find is that for me, if I had done it like that, every box that made me happy would have control and winning checked. Every one of them. And it's not going to happen fast, but if you allow yourself four months, six months, ask your friends what they think about you, um, you'll get there. And it's not meant to be a rush because for me, it, you know, it changes.
0: So you can tell me if you don't think this is a part of it, but- do you find that people struggle with this part? Did you struggle with this part? And how do you remove this part? Judgment. Because I could see that even with your, uh, your why or your purpose or your desire to win and have control. And, and like when you look back and you see yourself almost putting people down just to get your win, like that judgment and not able to accept that, that you love that thing would prevent you from actually writing it down. Right. And no, that's not okay. That's not a good thing. I can't put that. That's not my why. Um, How do you remove that judgment? And and then this could apply to all of life because I think that's a huge part of being successful.
1: That's a phenomenal question. And the answer is a resounding yes. Um, You know, another good way to, to, I'll get to the specific answer to that question in a second. Another way to think about how, what your why is to just go in your mind to absolute elation. What, what moment would provide you with absolute elation? I couldn't be happier than I am right now. And then think about all of the things surrounding that moment. Who's with you? Why are they there? Is anybody even there with you? Who cares? You know, everything about that moment and think about why that moment makes you so happy. Your why is probably tied into that moment. And you've had a few of them. It's, it's, it's the moments where you're exhausted, but you have more energy than you could ever imagine because it's lifted you up as opposed to tearing you down. That's where you know you're, you're working towards your why. Now, the judgment part, this is a perfect timing for you to ask this question. I sent a text to a good friend of mine, Michael Cashew, um, four days ago. And I was like, dude, this is going to sound like the most ridiculous question. And I almost feel ashamed to even ask it. But you seem to be the person who could answer this best of all the people in my life. So I'm asking you. How do you make friends? Like, I don't know how to make friends. When I hang out with people, if they're not ambitious, I'm not interested. And when I say ambitious, they don't have to be ambitious in business or in athletics. They have to, like, if you can be, want to be the best dad. Just want to be a good person. You know, be the best at anything. You want to be the best version of yourself where I'm not interested. Like, how do you make friends with people when all I'm able to do is spot reasons why I don't want to hang out with them? And he's like, well, the first thing I think you need to do is he sent me back like an eight minute long audio text. He's like, the first thing I think you need to do is release the judgment that you have on people who don't have the same ambitions that you have and the assumption that they're living a lesser life because they don't have that ambition. Mm. And then you can look at those people and say, well, what do I enjoy about that person? And start to kind of partition the people who you hang out with for what you need in your life in that moment. Like maybe you have people who are just fun to be around. They're not looking to do anything with their life. They might even be a tragic story, but they don't feel like they're a tragic story. They're fun to be around. Be around them and enjoy it. Nothing wrong with that. And when you want to have a deep intellectual conversation, call somebody else. Call the person who does that with you. He's like, that, that's, and that was, for me, that was a big thing. He's like, that's, that's where I would start. And he's like, and I think that, um, Knowing you, Sean, part of what you do is anytime that you work on something that doesn't get you closer to your end, you tend to judge yourself for it. And when you judge yourself for things that are not getting you closer to your end, you you actually disallow yourself to enjoy the moment that you're in, regardless of what that moment is getting you to, and that will slow you down. He's like, so I think you need to stop judging yourself for the moments where you feel light on ambition and heavy on fun or heavy on engagement and relationship and just dive in.
0: Preaching to the choir, man, I can absolutely relate to that second half, especially. Do you think that, because that's definitely the what, and I agree with it 100%. Do you feel like the how is almost questioning everything? And what yeah. i
1: mean what i mean i just i want i want to make sure the people listening don't leave this like cool so i just keep saying why until i land at it totally um and and i think that you question everything and then you start to build your like you build this i picture this master list of all of these things that could possibly be contributing to my why and then i just knock things off that don't fit as I, as i see it so everybody's why is joy. Everybody's why. Everybody just wants to experience joy in their life. It's the things that get you closer to that joy that represent your why. So it's very simple. Like start making a list of the things that make you happy and start making a list of things that make you unhappy. Identify what the characteristics of those things are and do the ones that you like. And your why, until you figure out exactly what you feel like it is, could most definitely be to pursue things that make me feel this way. And that's easy enough to start. Right? I mean, imagine if everybody did things with the intention of making themselves feel good all the time, irrespective of how other people feel. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. And, and and this goes to this goes to business when you, when you run a business because it's who am I talking to what am I talking to them about? how can I help them? what are the words that they use already? Well if they're like you, this is why people say authenticity wins in business because if you speak authentically there's Millions of people in the world who think similarly to you and your company identify with the problems that you solve. And if you're clear enough and consistent enough about those problems that you're solving, they have no choice but to work with you
0: mm-hmm. because
1: you fit their why, whether they know it or not.
0: Yeah. I love that piece, man. I think it's so unbelievably simple. And I think a lot of people, and it goes back to the judgment thing. I think a lot of people are afraid to be authentic or transparent because they fear judgment. But at the end of the day, it's, it's the simple, I don't don't want to say secret because there's no secret to business success, but I think it's the overwhelming theme of so many coaches and entrepreneurs that are successful. They're very authentic.
1: I I think that the most important thing, people who want to be successful in business and and by no means do I consider myself successful on the level that I plan to be. So I want to be clear with that. Like, I'm not the guy who's sitting here saying, I made it. Look what I did. You can be just like me. I don't want to be like me. Same. You know, so Mm -hmm. I want to be the next version of me and then the next version of me. The thing that allowed me to go from where I was to where I am was acknowledging that if I want to be able to help other people, I need to make money. Period. If you know if you open a business to help people, then you open something that helps people that includes a financial transaction. That's what a business is. Otherwise, do it for free. No problem. I'm all for that. Once you recognize that it is okay to make money, in fact it is necessary to make money. If you want to help people at any kind of scale, then a lot of things start to change.
0: I think a lot of trainers just struggle with that because it starts as their hobby or their passion.
1: hmm Well, and I've, I've been talking about that a lot recently on the Active Life Rx Instagram account because I keep on getting coaches, personal trainers and CrossFit coaches and arms theory, all kinds of coaches coming to me, not really so much arms theory. I don't know why I even said that. Um, but they come to me and they'll be like, look, I, I love coaching, but I can't make a living. What, how how did you do it? What do I do? I'm like, well, you're getting paid exactly what you're worth. So do something more valuable, charge a higher price for it and communicate that value to people so that they're willing to invest. And then you have yourself a business that you didn't have before. What if you had to make $75,000 this year in rural Kansas. How would you do it? You can't tell me that you can't. What if you had to? What if life ended December 31st if you didn't do it? And not for you, but for somebody you loved? You would find a way to do that. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And if you don't, if you're not the person who rips people off, you're not going to find that by ripping people off. And one of the most valuable things that um, I learned about money is that money doesn't change who people are. That's a myth. Money doesn't change anybody. Money amplifies people. And then it's the ability of that person to manage their amplification that will determine whether or not they still are liked, valued, and helpful. And what I mean by that is when I had no money... I was hyper-competitive and hyper-control freak. That was me. Control freak, hyper-competitive. So I won all the time except in business, (laughs) which sucked. So when I started making some money, it was amplified. I'm like, wow, okay. Now I really want to control this stuff and I really want to win. And that was almost dangerous because what I needed to do was amplify in such a larger magnitude, which was, I really want to win. I just don't need to win today. And I really want control. I just don't need it all the time because I'm not always the best person to be in control. And once I started to recognize those things, everything started to come together.
0: It's a lot of self-awareness, man. I think that's a big key in so many different areas is just being self-aware. And I find you to be a very self-aware per- person. I think anybody, I think anybody who does all the things you do and talks about the things you talk about and has overcome or achieved the things you have, I I, I think you just have to be willing to dive into self-awareness to be open minded and keep searching inside. Um, as in, in, and I know we've been kind of Going on this why for a while, and I'm glad we did because I think it's such an important thing. But there's something I really wanted to talk to you about today too. So I want to shift gears slightly, um, somewhat still related uh, to the overall theme of what we're talking about. But that's balance, um, and the question is, is balance bullshit? Like, and what I mean by that is, there's kind of two sides of the coin. There's the person that is very successful, but is a workaholic, and then there's the person who is very successful, and sometimes you never know because from the outside looking in, it can be different, but kind of has it all right? Is that a thing? Is having it all a thing? You have a happy family, you have, uh, you have balance in your life, you go have fun, you have relaxation, you're getting enough sleep, you're healthy, and you're very successful. Like, is this possible? Is there a, is there a time where you just have to accept that balance isn't going to happen, but you just have to be present and kind of give what you can in those moments? Like, what is your kind of just thought process on on all of this?
1: You're asking good questions, my man. (laughs) So my, my thought on that is that, um, Subjective Externally judged balance Does not exist Internal Balance does exist mm, And I like what
0: I that. mean by that What's that? I said I like that
1: What I mean by that is this The way that you just described balance Is not how everybody would describe balance You know that, that goes back to the idea of projection of priority. I believe it's important to have a healthy body. I believe it's important for me to be a great dad to my kids. I believe it's important for my wife to come first. And I believe that I need to make a lot of money and help a lot of people. So I need to do all of those things very well. Everybody doesn't feel that way. Mm-hmm. So balance to somebody else, you know, for me, it might be 90, 10, 10 work life, for example, it's not, it's more like, uh, 70, 30, I would say in my case, 75, 25 for somebody else, it might be 50, 50 or 40, 60 or 20, 80 or 90, 10. That's balance. It's, it all depends on if you guys, if you've seen a scale, a scale tilts in the middle. Well, if we move the middle, if we move that post that the that the balance, the seesaw sits on, if we move it all the way towards one side, well then to create balance, we need 90% of the load in a different place. And that all depends on where you are. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I'll give myself for an example. I believe that once you're married and have kids, you have responsibilities to other people that are not, that are not necessarily in your best interests in the short moment. You know, I it's not in my best interest to stop what I'm doing at 6:40 to get my daughter out of her crib and start watching Team Mumizumi. You know, or or cooking her breakfast. That is not in the best interests of me or my business in that moment, not my fitness not my business, none of that. That is only in the best interests of me and my daughter getting to cuddle on the couch. That's it. Now, that's important. I had kids. It wasn't their choice to come into the world. It was mine to bring them into it with my wife. So I then have a responsibility to make sure, in my opinion, that they are taken care of. My wife I chose to marry her. She chose to marry me. People ask, hey, how's marriage? I'm like, good right now. As far as I know, I'll find out when I get home. <laughs> you know, it's, and, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I just have an understanding that if I don't continue to earn my wife's love, it will go away. So I have to have communication with her about what I need too. So that she understands, for example, if you've ever the five love languages. yeah, My wife's biggest love language is quality time. The biggest thing that sucks energy from me in the world is wasting time. So balance to one person might be, oh, you spend, you spend time with your wife and time at your work. Fuck that. It's not about time. It's about energy. So when I spend time with my wife, we've identified what does quality time look like to you, babe? Because as much as I love you, I could see you for 10 minutes a day, give you a kiss, have sex and a meaningful conversation in those 10 minutes. um, And maybe spend like half of Sunday together and I would feel completely loved. That won't work for her. So what does quality time look like? Because to me, it's not sitting on the couch and watching TV. It's not us on our cell phones in the same room. So if we're doing that, that is wasting my time. That makes me upset. What makes me even more upset is that it's not even quality time for you. So we need to do more time together. So finding the balance is understanding what everybody really, really, really needs. And then giving that to them. It's not 50-50 it's not this and this, 30-30-30. It's none of that. I used to work out for two hours a day. I was, I was fucking shredded. Now, today my workout was 24 minutes with my wife outside. That was our quality time today. We did one person's on the Rogue Echo bike, just moving it at whatever pace, while the other person does 20 Russian kettlebell swings, 20 push-ups, and um, 50-meter side shuffle each way twice. That was it. That was the workout for 24 minutes. I am nowhere near as fit as I used to be. I couldn't even tell you what I could squat. No idea what I could bench. No idea what I could deadlift right now. I haven't done a snatch or a clean in a year. I don't even know what a bar muscle up looks like anymore. Who cares? It's not important to me. Am I no longer in balance because my fitness is not as intense as my business or my personal life? Do you follow me?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So I I think that the... To kind of pound this home for people because I think that for a lot of people, the difficulty here is expressing what balance looks like to them, to other people. When I got rid of my, my clinic that was successful, we had people coming from other countries to get an evaluation in my office. That's a successful clinic. Yeah. I was making $100,000 a year. By all means, this was a successful chiropractic office. Um, I left it and I left my gym. And my father... Was like you're out of your fucking mind. What are you doing? You're you're starting to build your clinic. It's going well. Why are you leaving it for this online business that might not do anything? And I explained to him, when I'm in the clinic, full schedule or empty schedule, when I'm in the gym, it feels like I just took a Ferrari that I was driving on the highway, at 200 miles an hour with no one else on the road, and I plowed it into a lake, and just started sinking. That's the energy suck that came out when I was at the office. No matter how much money I was making, no matter how many people were coming in, that is the energy suck that I felt. When I was working in my online business, that was the Ferrari on the highway. So I said, if we're all seeking joy, and dad, you want joy from me. You just want me to be happy. Mom, you want joy from me. You just want me to be happy. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Of course it is well, then I can certainly understand why you would be concerned that me making this move would be a bad idea. Because to you, the uncertainty of this role would make you stressed and unhappy every single day. Is that right? Yes, exactly, Sean. Now you understand why we want you to keep the clinic. I said, what I need you to understand is that being poor And pursuing this goal makes me happier than that clinic being successful could ever make me. So if you just want me to find joy, I need you to support this decision that I'm making and never, ever fucking bring it up again. That was the last conversation we had about it.
0: Over the course of this podcast, I keep thinking of like a few things like principles that like you didn't specifically say but are just ringing so true to be able to do all this man and number one is judgment and acceptance like removing the judgment and just accepting yourself, accepting your thought process, accepting what your vision of balance is. Cause I a hundred percent agree with that. It's never going to be 25, 25, 25% across the board. It's going to be, however, that works for you. And I I do believe giving your energy and being more present in the times is more important than the amount of time or duration of each one. Uh, But judgment, acceptance, self-awareness and seeking growth, like just constantly seeking more. Like you've said it a few times, like I'm more focused on, who I need to become. And I think that's so fucking powerful. And so many people need to focus on that. Um, and these things are like the principles that I keep getting from you in this episode that I love hearing, man. And there's been so many things that I relate to you with that that just ring so true and just remind me of, of more s- just reflection that I need to do that I've done in the past that I forgot about that I've, I've kind of slacked on. Um, so thank you for everything you were saying. Um, one last thing I kind of want to touch on just because I'm always curious about this is do you have any daily habits, routines, practices, methods, anything inside of your, your life that are just staples that never are removed? Maybe it's something you teach your mentor clients, maybe it's something you keep. It's a good question. But that help you stay on point with all these things.
1: A hundred percent I do. So the first thing is this. I'll tell you, I learned this from one of my mentors is Jesse Itzler. I don't know if you know who he is or not, but I was at his house for a mastermind and he brought a woman out named Melissa Joy Kong. And Melissa Kong is now his director of of staff and whatever her role is, doesn't matter. Uh, And she brought to the table a phenomenal advice on building habits. And her advice to people was one habit, one goal, one experience every month. Choose one. And if you choose one habit every month, at the end of the month, you'll decide if that habit was suitable for you or not. And you'll keep it or you'll get rid of it. So if you've been doing it for a month, it becomes something that's easy for you to do. If you want to keep it, it's costing you less energy to have it than it is to get rid of it. That's essentially how it works. So every month I add one habit. And at the end of the month, I decide if I want to keep that habit or not. So I've since added waking up at 5 a.m taking cold showers every day, Um, drinking 80 ounces of water a day, 30-minute walk a day. That's a habit that didn't last because 30 minutes didn't actually relax me. 15 was better. Um, Doing some form of meditation every day. That's a habit that didn't last. Because it actually stressed me out to think I need to meditate right now. I'm feeling good. I don't want to stop and do this. So now I meditate when I feel like I need to meditate. And that's usually helpful. Um, reading 10 pages in a book every day. I fucking hated that habit. <laughs> so it's gone. But the thing is, I think that people, people create try to create seven habits at a time. They don't know why they can't sustain them. They don't know which ones they like and which ones they don't like because each habit takes a little bit of energy to have. So my recommendation to people is one habit. Add one habit. Keep it for a month. If you like it, layer it. If you don't like it, replace it. You know, journaling. That's something that I used to do every day. I want to get back to it. I've just stopped doing it. I need to, that's something that I, a habit that I liked that I failed to maintain, that I need to get back to. But so the habits I currently have, to answer your question succinctly, I wake up at 5 a.m., I take cold showers every day, and I go on walks every day. Journaling is something I need to get back to, and I drink 80 ounces of water a day. Those are the big habits.
0: Very similar to me, man. I love it. I, I love the uh, slow integration of habits. I think, I mean, we talk about that a lot with nutrition. So I, I completely agree in the, in the aspect of mindset and just self-development, man. But dude, we're coming to an end here. This was unbelievable. A lot of powerful information in here, a lot of powerful insight. I appreciate you taking the time to go over these in-depth things. Um, I think people are going to get a lot out of this. Uh, before we go, I want you to just kind of give a shout out to everything that you have going on. Uh, for those listening. Sean runs a company that is, uh, very involved in fitness and rehabilitation and prehab and helping people get out of pain. Um, uh, we didn't touch on that today, but he is the expert on this and this person that I always recommend people go to when it comes to this. So I do want you to drop some links to everything you guys offer and all your content, and everything like that, because we didn't even get into any of that today.
1: Oh, good. I appreciate that. Um, We don't need to talk, like, I don't need to talk about my business every time I talk to somebody. I want people to know who I am and the man behind the business as opposed to, you know, the man in front of the business all the time. Love that, man. So I enjoyed this. Um, You can find all of our stuff at ActiveLifeRx.com. And the big thing that we're really looking to do right now is infiltrate the coaching space. We want coaches to be professional because we believe that if coaches are professional, then both gyms and clients are going to win. Um, nothing against your company, Cody, or my company, but the reality is neither of them should exist because people in the local market should be good enough to do the fucking job Mm. and they're not. So we fill the gap. My dream is that we're educating the people who are filling the gap instead of us. Um, That being said, we run what's called our coach program, which is an online opportunity for coaches who want our education but aren't ready to dive all the way into spending $2,500 up front or $5,000 up front to do all the stuff that we do. The coach program is something that coaches can use every single month where they get access to our assessments, training tools, and then they can apply our, our programs that we've developed while they develop their own skills. They can distribute our programs to their clients for free. So That's the big thing that we're doing right now is we want our methodology out there. We want people getting helped and we're down to meet coaches where they're at. We don't need you to come all the way up to a high ticket item to learn the stuff that we're doing. So the active life coach program is where you should be going. If you're listening to this and you're a fitness professional, if you're not reach out to us and we'll work with you one-on-one.
0: I love it, man. And once again, I can't recommend them enough guys, Um, especially from somebody who runs a business, in the same kind of, uh, light, like we're so big on education and we tell every client like, Hey, our job is to make sure that you don't need us at some point. And the reality is, is not enough coaches are out here doing that. So these are people you guys can trust just like me. Um, man, once again, thank you for coming on. I really, really enjoyed that conversation. I'm glad we went that route. Um, I appreciate you coming on as always, man. I appreciate you as a human being, being in my life and being somebody that I kind of use as a mentor from afar, man. So once again, thank you.
1: My pleasure. Can I drop one more little pearl based on what you just said there?
0: 100%.
1: What you were just describing was being wanted and not needed. And I think people forget how easy it is to do the things that we want to do and how hard it is to do the things that we need to do. And in forgetting, we all want to be something that somebody else needs. Nobody wants the things that they need, everybody wants the things that they want. So if you aim to be wanted, instead of being needed you make somebody autonomous of you they're never leaving
0: love that dude that's a perfect note to drop on